there's a real pressure on young people today to to do that, to buy a house as a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to talk about some of the perceptions that are cultural uh, biases and, and even perceptions that maybe families pass on. You know, these, these things like you're not really an adult until you're married, have children, and have a house. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to be talking about renting a place to live mm-hmm. versus buying home ownership. Yeah. Should I rent or should I buy? And if you have to ask that question then it probably means you should be renting (laughs) (laughs) while you begin to work on your financial plan to potentially look at other options. Yeah, I think it's a real temptation today for really for anybody starting out in life. You know, once you get your college degree and you start working, you know, you buy your first car, uh, you know, brand new car maybe. And the next kind of the next phase of adulthood is you buy a house. And I know this is a pressure that my daughter felt about a year ago. And she was looking around and all her friends were buying houses. And she said, Dad, I like, I don't know how they're doing it because I feel this right. pressure that I should do it. And so they're looking for houses and they're trying to figure out. And I sit down with her and Rudy and we're trying to figure out, can you afford this? Yeah. And it would have been a huge stretch for them to buy a house because the market right now is so high. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they would have been able to put about 15% down, which is pretty That's high. Actually I really mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. But even with that, they were they're just not quite there, and they felt like they were going to have to stretch themselves a little bit more. And thankfully, they they made the wise decision and said, "We're going to wait, and we can wait. It's not a big deal." But there's a real pressure on young people today to to do that, to buy a house as a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to talk about some of the perceptions that are cultural uh, biases, and and even perceptions that maybe families pass on, you know, these these things like you're not really an adult until you're married, have children, and have a house. And uh, I'd like us to challenge that because when you look at all the figures and all the the issues that are part of this equation, I think uh, I, I think you might change your mind depending on where you are. And for some, homeownership is probably not the right move, financially speaking, and, you know, when you look at other things as well. Yeah, these perceptions that you're talking about, Leo, they are real. And it is how others perceive us, and it's how we perceive the world. Right. You know, we really do have, especially if you were born in America or have lived in America for a long time, mm-hmm. there are a few thoughts that just kind of go through your head naturally because of the society that we live in. Yeah. Uh, the first is that idea of the American dream, where you have a white picket fence and a mm-hmm. two-car garage, and, you know, you own a home. That's yeah. part Three of bedroom, the deal. two-bedroom, house, right. or whatever. It, it, yep. It's almost like you deserve it. Like, okay, I live here, therefore I should have this. Yeah, uh, and the problem is that if you don't, it's almost like there's something wrong. And right. that's the Which problem. It's not, it's not yeah. that there's anything wrong with having that American dream. It's that if you don't achieve it, you're somehow less than. Yeah, right. And that's wrong. And that's wrong, right. So so there's the, that perception. There's also something kind of ingrained into society that just owning a home is a little bit safer and more secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can I can picture in my mind, you know, people on the news talking about, oh, I'm the first person in my generation or in my family to own a home. Mm. And it becomes, again, this huge rite of passage. Right. And actually, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, let's say that you are the first person in your family to own a home. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
but but there's this idea that somehow it's more safe or it's more secure or that or that bad things can't happen in a home or <laughs> that or that now now you're going to really have a healthy family because they're in a home. Like yeah. before it was kind of like, oh, our family was on the on the rocks because right. we were renting, yeah. but now and there's our somebody safe. next door that maybe right. is not. And, and that's it's again, it's a wrong perception because think about it. Nowadays actually, if you live in the area we live in, they're building houses that are literally you could reach across and touch the other house from your house. Oh yeah. They're 7 to 14 feet away from each other. So other than sharing a wall which you would in a in a rental, you're really very close to your neighbors. But again, it's a perception that there's more safety when you can, you know, all every wall around your house is separate and insulated from other people. And I get that to a degree. But think about a, a rental unit that's, you know, a high end, you know, something where you're paying twelve to fifteen hundred a month and you have the amenities and you have some of the benefits and you have the guard at the front door and everything's locked and you can't get in unless you're I mean, you have to have a code to get in. So isn't that more safe than, than some neighborhoods who don't have that? Anybody yeah. could drive through my neighborhood and they could stop and come knock on the door. Whereas I can't get into a subdivision where it's a rental, multifamily rental, where there's a guard or there's a gated community. So the safety thing, I think it's, again, a perception, it's a but perception. it's not always right. not always real. Yeah, there, there's another perception that it's sophisticated to, you know, take the mortgage interest deduction mm. on your home. Yep. And if you own it's a, a smart home, thing to do. you're right. It's a smart thing to do. And and you're more sophisticated than the next door neighbor. If you own a home and you're, and you're fully itemizing for your taxes. Right. And that used to be, you know, doable. Partially at least, true. Right. Yeah. It used to be kind of partially true. Even then it wasn't fully there, but it was at least doable mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the typical standard deduction was somewhere around $12,000. Right. For and, a couple. For a couple. And you could, yeah, that's right. And you could, you could typically get there if you had a mortgage and you were giving, you know, a decent amount in charity and you were able to write off a few other things in deductions. Yeah. But today the standard deduction for a married couple filing jointly is around twenty four thousand dollars. Right. So there's almost no way that you're paying twenty four thousand dollars in interest on your home right. unless you're hitting a very high, high, high level of income. Right. Uh, we're talking two hundred thousand dollars a year. Three. Yeah, and you're living in a quarter a million dollar or more home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, literally a million dollar home. I mean, you're definitely not average. No, definitely not average. And so, so there might be some actually super sophisticated tax strategies at that level. But honestly, for the average person, it's not nearly as sophisticated and, and highbrow as people used to think it was. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The other perception is that a house is an investment, that that somehow if you're in the home, you'll make money and you'll build wealth because you're in a home. And that's actually not not true anymore. I mean, yes, home values have gone up, but historically they've also come down. I mean, 2008, 2007 is not too far for us to remember how, you know, certain markets like Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and Las Vegas, and Florida, most of Florida, I mean, everything was on sale, everything was half off. And so that can happen. And when it does, realize that this idea that for the next 30 years, my property is going to increase by one and a half to two to three percent, that all changes. And now all that formula is out the window. So your equity in that home is not what it used to be. And if you're forced to sell, well, you're in big trouble. Or you might not even be able to to sell because of the market. Right. So there That's are some the risks as part. well. And and I think we can't not talk about those things because they're part of a, the reality. Yeah. Sometimes you have to move. It's not a it's not that you want to go from house to house to house. 
but if your job changes and you need to move and now you're in a down market, everything you put into it for the last 15 to 20 years could be lost. Right. So it's not always a safe bet in that sense. Yeah, that's the perception is that is that it's always a good investment mm-hmm. to put your money into a home. And and it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad idea, but it's not always a good investment because right. home values do go down yes. in different economic times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't go up very much over time, depending on the market, depending on the location. And so... So to call it always an investment, it's just a perception that yep. people have had for generations. And today, I think that some of that perception is beginning to fade because we realize that while it, the homes usually do go up in value slowly over time, it's not guaranteed. Right. And we just need to be aware it's not guaranteed. Uh, the other thing, you know, that's kind of this idea that a lot of people have in their head is that, you know, with a home, at least it's kind of a fixed cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you have a renting, fixed rate, right. and then it's a fixed yeah, payment. Yeah, if you have a fixed rate mortgage, a 30-year, 15-year, 20-year, you know, oh, it's a fixed cost every month. I know exactly what my mortgage is going to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you rent, there's a perception that, oh, your rent could go up every year, yeah. and you could really skyrocket out of control pretty quickly. And there's there's a fear there. And so I think what a lot of people don't realize with owning a home mm-hmm. is that you do have fixed costs, yeah. but you also have variable costs. <laughs> it kind of goes, think of it this way. It goes hand in hand. You, you want your property value to increase because you want to build wealth through it. But while that happens, your tax goes up too, yes. <laughs> right? Because as, you, as the value of your property goes up, and even if the rate changes and goes up, then you've got a double whammy because the rate goes up and the value of property goes up. And that's happened in our area many times, yeah. especially early on when I moved to Keller 20 years ago. Every year, there was another bond being passed. The rate kept going up oh. and up and up because they were adding schools and the, the area was growing. So we saw an increase not only in the tax rate, but obviously in the, in the cost of our, our home. So our payment didn't stay the same. Well, let me back up. Our payment actually did. Because, but our insurance and our, our taxes didn't. We didn't have an escrow account, so those kept going up. Our payments stayed the same. But 80% of people that buy homes today have an escrow account, which means that as your taxes go up and as your insurance goes up, your escrow begins to go in the rears, meaning it's, going, it's not meeting that demand because they yeah. estimate what your taxes are going to be and you're making those payments and they're socking that money away. Well, when the tax bill comes, it went up $500. Now you're $500 short. Mm-hmm. So you have two options. You can write a check for $500 to catch up, which means your rent went up, right? Your payment went up. I right. mean, it's just in one one lump sum. Or you can choose to allow that rate to increase, the payment to increase, to make up for the 500 that you were in the negative, plus add 500 because next year it's going to be 500 more. So now your rent goes up. And I, and I know this has happened to you. The first time it happened to me, I was shocked. I was like, I thought yeah, I was getting a, a mortgage payment <laughs> right. that was going to be staying still, not a rent that's going to change every month or every year. And I, I was shocked. And that's why I fought really hard to pay down to 20% so I can never do an escrow again. And I never did again because I don't like the idea of changing. But I do budget for increase for my taxes and insurance because I know that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Well, so you know your insurance will be going up over time. It's very likely your taxes are going to go up over time. So it's not fixed. And these are just things that we have to be aware of, that some of the perceptions that we have about the perfection of home ownership Mm -hmm. might not be 100% accurate. Right. And so that opens the door to this other side of the equation. What does it look like to rent? And what does it look like 
you know, what are, what are the pros and cons of both? Right. And we're actually going to run through in this episode a, a financial example towards the end as well, where we'll actually walk through a home and we'll talk about a home at a certain price versus renting at a certain price mm-hmm. and what makes more sense, especially based on how long you can live in that area. Yeah. So that's the perceptions of home ownership. Uh, there's obviously more out there, but let's talk about the real benefits of home ownership. Yeah, because there are some really good benefits yes. to it. So we need to cover those. And to be sure. fair, Leo, you and I currently both own homes. Yeah. Uh, this is a part of our daily life. So so we're going to be honest. We're going to share the great benefits that there are to having a home. But we're and also some of the negatives. Some of the negatives. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So so first off, uh, usually you're going to get a larger living space for the same amount of cost. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you own a home, typically uh, you could get a three or four bedroom for what you might be able to rent a two or three bedroom yeah. type of deal. Or you're going to also get the garage. Whereas if you're renting, you might not have a garage. Like mm-hmm. there's just going to be a little bit of extra space benefit more often when you are owning a home. True. Because you can buy that four bedroom if you have a large family. Whereas if you're having to rent, even if you're renting a home, uh, it's much harder to rent a four-bedroom home yeah. at a decent price. I right. mean, you're so if you're in an apartment rental, meaning an apartment complex, uh, you know, multifamily, it's going to be a lower rent for a two or three-bedroom than a home will be. So we're really talking about multifamily rental units or or something along those lines. Because if you're renting a home, you're going to pay considerably higher than what you would if you actually bought the house. So we want to make that distinction. We are talking about renting in multifamily and you will get a larger space when you buy a home rather than renting. Because renting, I think the biggest apartment you can rent is maybe three bedroom as far as I know. Oh, sure. Right? And you can, I mean, there are not right. many four, yeah. but yeah, four bedroom, bedroom apartments. Very so, rare. Yes. So it's uh, two to three rent or a, one. a three, four bedroom home. Right. But like you said, Leo, the costs are usually going to be very high. Uh, and so... Yeah, I could not afford... Right. Well, I say that loosely. <laughs> like if I wanted to move in my neighborhood and rent a house, I would not pay the rent. Yeah. I just, it's just insane. Yeah. So usually uh, home prices are going to match inflation over time, or they're going to at least keep pace with the local economy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if your home was worth $200,000 when you bought it, uh, it's likely that if all the other homes in the area go up to 250 over time, your yep. home will slowly go up, over, up to 250 over time. So, yep. uh, it's obviously going to depend on size and a few other variants, but it usually matches inflation. So you're not losing on your quote unquote investment. Doesn't mean it's a big investment moneymaker, but there is typically some growth over time. Yeah. The other one is just a sense of stability. When you are living in the same place, where you know you're going to be living in the same place every single year for as long as you want to live there or can live there, then it does give you that ability to say, you know, you're going to develop some memories here. Your kids are going to have the notch on the side of the door as they're growing up and all of that. So there is value in that. I know that my wife and I have owned three homes in our marriage of 30 plus years. And the kids don't remember the first one very much because they were very young. But the last two, they remember very well because they, we spent nine years in the in the previous one and over 10 years in the one we're in right now. So there is this sense of this is my home. This is what I come home to every day. Whereas when you're in renting, you know, every year you might think, gosh, if they go up too much, I'll have to find another place to live because right, I don't right. want my rent to go up 200%, $200 yeah. per month. So, And usually your landlord doesn't want you marking your kid's height on the wall <laughs> no, or the no, doorpost. Not at all. Uh, so this is, this is another benefit of owning is that you can 
renovate. Right. You can be creative. It. You can personalize it. You can make this space your own. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go too crazy, it might be hard to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pink so, walls, please. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, no matter what, there's going to be some limits unless you're planning to live here for 50 years. Yeah. But but there is, there is a sense of I'm settling in. There's a sense of I'm settling into a community. Yeah. And you begin to get to know the local township and you maybe get the local paper and you connect with the local high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the, the football game on a Friday night or you go see the band play or you connect at the local swap meet. You know, yeah. we've got yeah. a, a farmer's market here locally. There's something you have access to those things when you're renting. But there is something when you when you quote unquote own property in an area yeah. that causes you to say, OK, things are a little bit more stable. I'm a yeah, little bit is more a part of this community. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that pride that pride of ownership. I yeah, think. I agree. I agree. And, you know, as far as belonging to a community, it's also having neighbors. I mean, I mean, having neighbors that you would be friends for life. When we first moved to Texas, I remember this, man, it was like yesterday because I pulled up the truck. It's just me and Natalie and a couple small kids, right? And it's just me, the guy. So I have, I don't, there's nobody in Texas, but, but us. So I have no family to call. I have no friends to call. And I pull up the truck, I open up the back of the truck, pull out the ramp, and I'm about to unload some heavy furniture. And I'm thinking, I got the dollies, but this is going to be a chore. And here comes a guy, his name is Matt, and he ended up being my neighbor for over 10 years. And he's like, hey, can I help you with that? And we became best friends. I mean, it was was great to have, and we still have those relationships today. We still get together with him from time to time. And there's something about that that you don't normally get in, in rental because people come and go. But right. in the community, people stay longer. Yeah, that's so true. that's that's valuable. That's really true. And I think, especially here in Texas, we have a little more of that mm-hmm. uh, than in some other parts of the country. I agree. Um, I, we're just we have really good people here in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> very friendly people. Very friendly people. Uh, so another one we talked about tax deductions earlier and how that might not be as much of a, a game changer today as it was several years ago, but equity in mm-hmm. your home. Uh, every month that you put a little bit into your home, every month you make a payment, you are setting a little tiny bit aside as savings and building equity in your house. Yeah. You own a little bit more of that house fully. You've paying down that loan bit by bit. And we know that it's uh, prorated or the amortization schedule happens in such a way that you know, say you have a 30-year loan, mm-hmm. the first 15 years, at least at least the first 13... Yeah, the bank's the one that's making out, not the you. The bank is getting almost all of your money, and mm-hmm. you are getting very little that's going towards equity. But if you're in the home for 15, 20, 30 years, yeah. when you get to the other side of that, then almost half of your payment is going into equity, and then eventually more than half your payment is going into equity. And so... Over time, if you have the patience and you're going to live there for a long time, you will see some yeah. gains in your equity. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. The downside to it is that the average homeowner stays in their home about 13 years. So just <laughs> as a just as, a, as people get to put more money into their equity and really start paying that down, that's when they move yeah. and they start to cycle all over again. So the statistics actually prove that we're not very smart about that. But right. You know, life changes. Sometimes you have to move. We understand. Yeah. Well, so there's a ton of great benefits to owning a home. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the perceptions of renting, kind of like we talked about the perceptions of home ownership. Yeah. Because there is this idea, and I've, I've heard it uh, a number of times, especially because, you know, we have a financial podcast and I help coach people in finances fairly yeah. frequently yep. at the church. And so people will tell me, oh, you know, I'm renting, I'm renting for now. And I know it's just throwing away money. I know it's just throwing away money, mm. but don't be mad at me, David. Yeah. And there is this perception that 
that I as a financial guru mm-hmm. will be looking down on somebody who's renting oh saying, my gosh. oh, you, you're throwing money away. You know, it's just silly. You're being so silly. And that's a, a really funny perception, but yeah. it is very pervasive. I've talked to yeah. many people that and have that And it's false, thought. actually. It's totally it's false. false. As soon as I hear that, my initial thought, actually, my, my first thought typically is, hey, I actually really respect that you're renting right now because mm. it means you realize you don't have the finances to buy. And if you were to make a purchase, it would probably hurt your family more than it would help your family. Yes. Versus I'm going to run out and buy something immediately because I think it's perceived intelligence to own a home. Yeah. The other thing I don't like about that statement and how it's perceived is that it means that you're actually paying rent and that all of that is thrown away. And it's like, wait a minute, housing costs is housing costs. Everyone has it. So just because you're renting a, a, an apartment rather than paying it on living in a home, it doesn't mean it's wasted. Now, financially speaking, and, and from some of the benefits we talked about home ownership, you might be better buying. Who knows? I mean, you have to look at your finances and see if you can do it and if it's going to stretch you too much. And if not, maybe it is a good move for you. But it's never throwing money away right. because you have living costs for any anywhere you're going to live. You have yeah. going to have the cost. So you can't say it's all wasted because it's not. So I think that needs to be corrected and not have that perception that it's throwing money away because it's not. You are actually benefiting from living in that place. It's a safe place. It's a place you enjoy. It's not throwing money away. That's right. Uh, another perception is that the rent is just going to rise year to year and that eventually you're going to be outpaced and not be able to live in that place anymore. Yeah. And then finally, there's this thought that you're missing out on building wealth. And and I think there's a fear here here that's unhealthy. And it's like, oh, it's FOMO, fear mm-hmm. of missing out. Yep. I'm going to miss out on becoming rich because mm. I don't own a home. Yeah. And, and so-and-so owns a home. And so they may not be rich today, but, but you know, the fates are now in their favor and they will be rich and I'm going to always be poor because I don't own a home. And that's not true. Yeah. Uh, it can be true, but it's not always true. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be very aware that if we're letting fear drive our decisions, then we're opening the door to some real problems. And so uh, these are all perceptions that um, I'm going to say mostly are false. Mm-hmm. But there, there can be truth to that. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth in some of those. But ultimately, if we allow perceptions to lead us to make decisions rather than actual facts and asking the question why, you know, just because someone or everyone does something doesn't mean you just automatically should. Ask the question, why is it a waste? Why is it that the only way to build wealth is through buying a home? Is that actually true? And I think we always have to do that. You have to ask these questions for you and your family. What's best for you and your family? And if you go a little further than just following lemmings off the cliff, I think you're better off financially speaking. You're going to make better decisions, and you're going to make decisions that are going to keep you on your path to financial freedom. And that's really what's important. All right. Well, let's talk about some reasons that renting might actually be better for you than buying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the crux of this episode. Uh, It's not always going to be the case, but I think Leo and I had a real burden on our heart to to highlight why it can be very wise to rent Mm -hmm. and why it can really make sense for you in a season. And, and it may even make sense depending on your lifestyle and what you want in life for a very long season. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- it doesn't have to be, oh, I rented for one or two years so I could get to a house. It, depending on your lifestyle, you may really enjoy renting and some of the 
the things that are not in the back of your mind when yeah. you rent versus when you own a home. So let's just talk through some of the expenses of owning a house and some of the benefits of renting. So first and foremost, this came to you and I, Leo, right away. And it was this idea of time and energy that's spent on maintenance when you own a home. Yeah. Uh, this was this was the biggest because you and I we we do a lot. Honestly, like we're we're very active in several different things. Each yeah. one of us. Yeah. And so time and energy are at a premium for us. Right. Um. You know, we steward our finances well, and we like to make sure the dollars make sense. But really, we steward our time well, and any any amount of time that we feel is wasted, not on rest and regeneration, uh, or is wasted not on spending something, doing something you love, but yeah. just that's lost, that we see the cost for that. Yeah. And so, so when you look at renting, you don't have to pay maintenance fees. Uh, you don't have to, to pay for a new HVAC if your right. HVAC unit goes out. Right. You don't have to pay for a new roof on the building or on your home if there's an issue, you know, wherever you're at. Um, and you don't have to go out and mow the yard. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> Gosh, the hours I spend in the yard are wondering why I'm not paying somebody to do this. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the hard part because I mean, some people say, "Well, I enjoy doing the yard work." Well, I don't. I mean, I I'll do it because I have to, and maybe because I'm too cheap to pay somebody else, or I haven't found somebody that I like that's inexpensive enough for me to to fork over the money. But ultimately, sometimes I question that. Lately, I question that a lot because I've been so busy. Sometimes I'm working weekends, and at the end of the weekend, I realized, gosh, I should have been out there trimming the trees, cutting the grass, uh, you know, pulling back the weeds, whatever needs to be done. And now I'm not doing it because I enjoy it as part of home ownership. I'm doing it because I have to. Right. And it's on top of everything else that I got going on. So I think sometimes you have to look at your lifestyle. What do you love to do? If you're the kind of person that goes to work nine to five, Monday through Friday, and on the weekends, you just kind of love being being outside, trimming the bushes and just tinkering around the yard. Awesome. Homeownership is probably ideal for you. <laughs> right, right. But most people, I'll tell you, because I live around neighbors that don't cut their own grass either. Most people don't want to be out there in the you know 90 degree heat in Texas and with the allergy flying around doing that. And that's not a fun part of homeownership. And that's just one aspect, but there's so many others. And then yeah. there's always maintenance and upkeep, right? Yeah. You, have, you have a swimming pool. Every few years, you're going to replaster the sucker. That's at a cost that you're going to have to put money aside for or take a dent in your savings. So there's so many other things that play into this that both waste money and time. And I, I won't call it waste because it's not always a waste, but it is a cost. And you have to consider that when you're considering whether renting is better. And in my opinion, there are times when I really would rather just be renting, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. But I do love home ownership, but I, I'm tossed sometimes between those two. Yeah, well, you've got you know tree trimming. You've got uh, cleaning up the hedges around the house. You know, If you've got some landscaping that needs yeah. to be done, mulch. That irrigation. Maybe, maybe irrigation, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you've got mowing. You've got the weed and feed, the fertilization that you've got to do in the lawn mm -hmm. every year so the weeds don't get crazy. And then even even with that, you've still got to go pull weeds from time to time. Yeah. You know, you, you've yeah. got to you've got to trim the edges of the house to make sure that uh, nothing's growing up around the fence and isn't going to damage the fence because let's say the fence gets knocked down. There's yeah. another expense. So all of these things, when you're renting, you don't even think about it. Yeah. You're like, hey, I, if something goes wrong or something breaks, I'm going to call the owner and it's their job to come and fix it. Yep. And so even just the peace of mind 
that renting affords you. It gives you more time, more energy, especially imagine that you're a young married couple. Um, it's great to rent mm-hmm. for the first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, because you're getting to spend a lot of time together and not having to worry about these extra four, five, six things that are going to come every single week that right. you've got to deal with right. in some way. And we're not even talking about cleaning the inside. You know, with a home, you have more space, more space to heat, more space to cool, more space to clean. Yeah. So when you're doing the cleaning on the weekend, it's not a, you know, one bedroom apartment where you can pick it up in about 12 minutes. Right. It's hours of scrubbing the bathroom tiles and mopping and vacuuming and, you know, getting all the dust bunnies underneath the couch. So it takes time. I mean, my wife is, we share that duty sometimes. I'll do the outside work. She'll do the inside. Sometimes I'll help on the inside. And it could take her hours to get it done sometimes on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Now, she doesn't do it every weekend because we're not slobs, but but it's time. Yeah. And how much is that worth? You have to ask yourself that. Yeah, another benefit to renting a lot of times is there are typically amenities depending on where you're renting. If you're renting a home, maybe not. But if you're renting a multifamily apartment, you're in in an apartment complex, you're going to usually have access to a small gym. Yeah. You'll have access to a swimming uh, pool, like a big swimming pool. Typically, you'll often have access to a community center Mm -hmm. uh, where you could host birthday parties and you can have people over. Um, So there are some benefits. Uh, just to being in a community. We talked about having community in your home and, mm-hmm. and feeling like you're part of a community. A lot of apartment complexes do a very good job of creating community yeah. in and around their built-in community of people yeah. in that apartment. And yeah, so They want you to stay, so they're going right. to create some attractions that, that you don't want to give up. Yeah. So, I mean, it, for me, it was free workouts and access to a pool. Uh, which I don't have access to free workouts and access to a pool <laughs> <Not> anymore. <laughs> right. And so, so those are some great amenities. You're also not going to have real estate taxes that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. Now, of course the taxes are going to be built into the price, Yeah. but you're not having to break down and just, you know, set up an escrow no. and deal no, you with just have to make the payment, whatever and, it is. Right. Exactly. You it's have easier. one payment. Yep. Just a couple other things. You have flexibility when you're living somewhere where you're renting, you can move anytime you need. Usually you're a, you know, even if you have a lease, at least you know there's an end period and you can move. You're not tied down to a home, especially in a market where you can't sell. With renting, you could just end your lease whenever you're, whenever it's up and then you can move. So it does give you that flexibility. It also gives you the flexibility to downsize. Let's say you get into a season when you want to save more money. Well, you can go from that two-bedroom apartment to a one-bedroom apartment yeah. or a studio. And usually stay in the same complex yeah. and just get a cheaper rent. Exactly. So there are possibilities there to actually lower your costs while still renting. You will have lower insurance costs because renter's insurance is so much lower than yeah. house insurance. I remember right? it was like 12 bucks a month know, when ridiculous. we rented. Now, maybe it's 15 bucks a month now. I don't know. Maybe uh, inflation has hit it hard. It's still super low. It's way different than the $200 a month, give or take, or 150 bucks a month, give or yeah. take. With homeowners insurance, yep, so no that's big. Twelve bucks versus one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have lower utility costs because you usually have a smaller space to to cool and to heat, and those units are usually kept up, right? Because I mean they're wanting you to stay in a good apartment. So if the units aren't working right, they're gonna, you know, so they're gonna be more efficient. They're gonna be kept up and all of that. So you're gonna have lower utility costs. You're gonna have more free time, which is a big one. I think that's probably the thing that attracts me more to that type of lifestyle down the road is that I just want more free time. The older I get, the more free time I want. Not free time, but to use the time that I have in ways that I want to, not in the ways that I have to. And that's to me is a big difference between homeownership and renting. 
renting, I can just use my time to do what I want. I don't have to worry about maintenance. I don't have to worry about all the other things that we talked about. And I think there's a certain attraction to that that more and more people are seeing. Yeah, well, and there's just lifestyle benefits to it. Like you're saying, Leo, that you don't have that pinging in the back of your mind where you're worrying about, oh, I've got to make sure I mow this weekend or, oh, it's time to go place the air, replace the air filter. It's time to go fix this thing. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking, hey, I, I want to enjoy reading a book. I want to enjoy getting ready for the podcast. I want to enjoy helping somebody with their finances and serving yeah. someone else. Yeah. It just, it opens up your mind. Maybe it's on the weekend. I just want to go on a date with my wife yeah. and not have to think about this homework. Yeah. You know, yeah. I also have to get home and cut the lawn sometime. Right. Oh, and it's going to rain tomorrow. So I got to do it today. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So th- there's just huge lifestyle benefits there. It keeps you so open and flexible in life where let's say another job opens up mm-hmm. in another city, in another state, or you maybe have saved up for a while and you want to just go travel for six months at another country and you're renting. Well, guess what? You can do that. Your your contract ends and you can yep. go. Yep. So there's, there's flexibility built into renting that most people don't realize. And when you're first married, especially you just have so little understanding of what you're going to really want long-term. And when I say what you're going to want, the location, the size of home, the type of home, uh, how many kids you're going to have, kids you're going to have, you're just getting used to each other. And so wait, wait and rent. It's almost a complete no brainer to rent the first two years. I would say, I would say two to five years, probably five years would be a, would be zero issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so don't feel bad renting, especially in that situation, but overall don't feel bad renting. Yeah. You know, one of the best ones, I think reasons to rent rather than buy. I think, I think the best one is, and this is specifically to those parents who have grown kids is the ability to have a small enough place where you say, sorry, kids, you can't move back in. <laughs> you can't move back in. <laughs> you know, if you have a two-bedroom apartment, you can't have a bunch of kids and their kids coming back. That's so right. maybe that's the most motivation for someone out there yeah. to say, okay, this is the way we're going to stop this cycle. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense when you first get married and when you're an you know, empty nester. Yeah. And you don't want those kids coming back. You're like, hey, guys, the nest is empty. Yeah. We downsized. Love to have you. We don't have the room. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, I, you know, we've actually <laughs> known a few people that have done that where they, they've downsized and, yeah. oh, sorry, guys. We yeah. love you, but can't stay it's here. It's not an option. <laughs> <laughs> so the number one thing that I think you've got to think about if you're looking at buying versus renting from a financial standpoint. Yeah. Now, all of that, not all of it, but a majority of what we just talked about really you know, hinged on some of the thought processes and the mindsets that we have and uh, really the fringe benefits of time and energy. Right, uh, lifestyle choices, lifestyle. those kind of things, yeah. But if you're looking strictly at the finances, one of the biggest factors when buying versus owning or renting versus owning is that it depends on how long you're going to live in this location. Yeah, that makes a big difference. That is Huge the difference. number one factor because when you buy, you have a bunch of sunk costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to have closing costs. You're going to have a real estate agent commission. Maybe not when you buy, but when you sell, right. you're going to have to you're pay. you lose that. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, and usually it's like 5% of the total cost. So yeah. if you're looking at a $200,000 house, that's at least 10 grand, yeah. potentially 12 grand if it's 6%, depending yeah. on the real estate agent. Yeah. So uh, on top of the closing costs, which could be $4,000, $5,000. Mm-hmm. So your sunk costs there are 
around 15 grand yeah. that that's just to get into and out of the house. Right. So that means that in the first three years, there's an extra $5,000 of costs per basically. year. Yeah. That went in. about $400 a month. Yes. So that's very consider expensive. That. Right. Now that's if you live there for three years. Mm-hmm. If you live there for five years, that same 15,000 now is only, you know, a thousand a year. Yeah. A couple thousand a year, right? 3,000. So, so you live there 10 years, then it's only 1,500 a year. It's 150 bucks a month, right? 125. Yeah. So the longer you live there, the less those big origination sunk costs are, uh, and the, the less that they will affect you, the right. less impact they'll have on your budget. So uh, number one piece of advice, you'll hear this all over the place. If you're going to buy a home, you need to live there or you should be planning to live there for at least three years. Yeah. I say you need to. I mean, there are emergency situations where you have to sell and you're going to lose money and, and that, that happens. Yeah. But you want to be able to live there for at least three years. In general, though, I'd say your plan should be to live there for five years. And if you're not planning to live in that home for five years, it probably doesn't make sense. No, I think if you do the math, you'll realize that you're actually overpaying for that, you know, for the, right. for the cost of living in a place. And I would question that even if you wanted to pay that high, you could probably get a very nice apartment with a ton of amenities and some luxuries that you would not get in your home. Plus, remember, you wouldn't have the cost of maintenance. You wouldn't have the time spent for maintenance. So from a financial standpoint, just that it makes more sense to rent if you're yeah. going to do it a short term. Yeah, because the idea is, oh, you know, is buying a home the grown-up thing to do? Mm-mm. And no, the grown-up thing to do is to have a plan. Yeah. Spend your money wisely. Yeah, have a plan for your finances, right? Like be a good steward of the money that you're managing mm-hmm. and actually go into this thinking of the future and being content with where you are today. Yep. So the last thing that we want to do here in this episode is just go through a quick financial example and uh, I really loved this tool that I found online. It was an online calculator at New York Times. Uh, and so we'll put a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was newyorktimes.com slash interactive 2014 buy rent calculator. Uh, if you Google New York Times buy rent calculator, I'm sure it will come up. But I plugged in a few different numbers here. And I love the way it did this because it says if you're looking at a $250,000 home, that was the number that we chose, uh, and you're looking to rent for three years or you're looking to live there for three years, then it says it would actually be better off for you to rent if you can find a place to rent that is less than $1,500 a month. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a really simple breakdown there. Like, oh, okay, if I'm going to live here for three years, it's better off that I rent if it's less than 1500 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be 1800 bucks a month to rent, okay, then I'll go buy this house. Right. I love that. So if you go out to five years, we said the longer you live somewhere, the cheaper it is. Uh, it says that if you can find a place to rent for less than $1,250. Yeah. So that rental threshold went down a couple hundred because it's saying, oh, it's actually cheaper if you live there longer. Yeah. So it would make more sense to buy if you're going to pay more than 1250 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. 10 years is about 1100 bucks a month. Right. And then 30 years, you do the full 30-year mortgage, it's about $1,000 a month of rent. But think about that. If you could find a decent place to live for a thousand bucks a month, even then it would still make more sense to rent versus owning the home. Now, that being said, I would love to have paid off real estate at the end of 30 years. So if I'm sure. going to live somebody somewhere for 30 years, 
then yeah, I'm probably going to buy and I'm going to set up my finances to be able to do that. But this calculator, I just thought was really, really helpful. Uh, it lets you put in a bunch of different assumptions. So I put in a 4% mortgage uh, interest rate, a 5% down payment, a 30-year mortgage, a 2% property tax rate on the home, a 5% sales commission for buying and selling the home, right? Yep. So I just thought this was a really, really well done tool. It's rare to find a calculator that is this efficient. Yeah, there's a lot of detail built yes. in that helps you to make a good decision. Yeah. So, yep. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, you do want to have, you want to do the math. You want to make sure that this makes sense financially speaking, because ultimately you don't want to overcommit whether it's renting or buying. You, you want to buy what's what's less expensive, but proper for your family. But at the same time, don't let the financial part be the only decision maker either. Yeah. Make sure you really think through, is this for us? Natalie and I rented for the first four years, and I'm glad we did. The idea of having a home when we first uh, got married, it would have gotten in the way of so many things that we did and the fun we had and the traveling we did before we started having a family and kids. So yeah. I think it's a great time to just not worry about all that stuff and just rent. And if that means that you rent for more than five years, so what? You're not wasting anything. No. You're just living the kind of life that you want to live. So don't just do the financial decision. Make sure you consider all the other factors as well. That's, That's really right. the point we're trying to make. It's not a right or wrong. It's what's best for you when you consider all the things that we shared in this episode. That's right. And this whole episode is about buying versus renting. But if you're at the place where you're ready to look at buying and want to make a wise decision, go back and listen mm -hmm. to episode 23 and 24. Because yep. that is all about home buying and mm -hmm. we walk through the rules of thumb how much you should be putting down right. what kind of emergency fund you need to have in place in advance we talk about the insurance we talk about the taxes we talk about closing costs so go back and listen to episode 23 and 24 if you're at the place where you're ready to buy but our hope with this episode is that it encouraged you that buying isn't the only option to make good financial sense agreed all right, well, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do us a huge favor and rate and review this podcast and also subscribe while you're there and share it with someone. It's so important that you let other people know that this episode or, and this podcast is helpful to you. That's really the best compliment you can make for us is that you would share it with someone else and let them know that we're out here creating content for your benefit and hopefully for theirs. You could also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, find us, follow us. Uh, we'd love to have you be part of the personal finance conversation. You could also find the show notes to this episode and more content and resources at leosabo.com. There's resources such as a budget tool and a debt repayment tool. Uh, there's just great content there that you can benefit and it's all for the taking. So help yourself. You could also go to stewardshippastors.com, David's website. David loves to teach on biblical stewardship and help stewardship leaders and church leaders learn how to educate their own people about money uh, from a biblical perspective. He's also writing a book, Jesus on Money, that's coming out soon, so you could pre-order a book on his website. And he also has videos and resources, and you can share all of that with your pastor or your spiritual leader, which I know will benefit them. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. Yeah, 
because the idea is, oh, you know, is buying a home the grown-up thing to do? Mm-hmm. And no, the grown-up thing to do is to have a plan. Yeah. Spend your money wisely. Yeah, have a plan for your purpose. finances, right? Like, be a good steward of the money that you're managing. Mm-hmm.